preface of the hunting of the snark an agony in eight fits by lewis carroll this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the hunting of the snark by lewis carroll preface if and the thing is wildly possible the charge of writing nonsense were ever brought against the author of this brief but instructive poem it would be based i feel convinced on the line on page four then the bowsprit got mixed with the rudder sometimes in view of this painful possibility i will not as i might appeal indignantly to my other writings as a proof that i am incapable of such a deed i will not as i might point to the strong moral purpose of this poem itself to the arithmetical principle so cautiously inculcated in it or to its noble teachings in natural history i will take the more prosaic course of simply explaining how it happened the bellman who was almost morbidly sensitive about appearances used to have the bowsprit unshipped once or twice a week to be revarnished and it more than once happened when the time came for replacing it that no one on board could remember which end of the ship it belonged to they knew it was not of the slightest use to appeal to the bellman about it he would only refer to his naval code and read out in pathetic tones admiralty instructions which none of them had ever been able to understand so it generally ended in its being fastened on anyhow across the rudder the helmsman used to stand by with tears in his eyes he knew it was all wrong but alas rule forty two of the code no one shall speak to the man at the helm had been completed by the bellman himself with the words and the man at the helm shall speak to no one so remonstrance was impossible and no steering could be done till the next varnishing day during these bewildering intervals the ship usually sailed backwards as this poem is to some extent connected with the lay of the jabberwock let me take this opportunity of answering a question that has often been asked me how to pronounce slithy toves the i in slithy is long as in writhe and toves is pronounced so as to rhyme with groves again the first o in borrow groves is pronounced like the o in borrow i have heard people try to give it the sound of the o in worry such is human perversity this also seems a fitting occasion to notice the other hard words in that poem humpty dumpty's theory of two meanings packed into one word like a portmanteau seems to me the right explanation for all for instance take the two words fuming and furious make up your mind that you will say both words but leave it unsettled which you will say first now open your mouth and speak if your thoughts incline ever so little towards fuming you will say fuming furious if they turn by even a hair's breadth towards furious you will say furious fuming 
but if you have the rarest of gifts a perfectly balanced mind will say frumius supposing that when pistol uttered the well-known words under which king bezonian speak or die justice shallow had felt certain that it was either william or richard but had not been able to settle which so that he could not possibly say either name before the other can it be doubted that rather than die he would have gasped out rilchium end of preface